yo, let it be written. The boys are back. What is up? And Ashley, how you doing? Yo. What up, Joe? How are you, man? I'm up. Oh, it was daylight at your house, Joe. It's weird to see. Yeah, Joe's in the Joe's in the light. Joe, he is risen, everyone. <laughs> Happy Easter, my friends. It is. It's a it's a weird time here. Oh, no, I need to put those lights back on. I don't know why. But don't worry. Happy Easter, I suppose. Yeah, if you're into that, happy Easter. If you're not into that, it's a good excuse to have a holiday and eat some good food and hang out with your family and friends or whatever, right? Yeah, what you steak tonight for dinner. Mike, you the warlord eating a vegan steak for Easter? Yeah, totally vegan. Totally <laughs> vegan. 100% vegan beef. <laughs> I'm actually making a plant-based lasagna for the fam tonight. Nice. I got, I, I stole the, what's up? What you got going in that lasagna? Let me tell you, let me tell you right now, everybody listening, this is a big deal. And I stole this recipe from John Joseph's book, Meat, meat is for Pussies, so I can't take credit for it, but I added some twists to it. Instead of meat, it's, it's, it's the Holy Lord Satan instead of, instead of meat. And uh, I mixed that with vegan ricotta, like the Kite Hill ricotta is bomb, actually. And that's made from like almonds and shit. You mix, cook that up, mix that together. And that's one layer. And then another layer is just chopped up um, zucchini, broccoli, and garlic. And you just like layer that on organic pasta. And you, I make my own sauce, just like a basic tomato sauce. I throw some turmeric in there for some, for some anti-inflammatory purposes. And you got yourself a vegan lasagna, man. What do you that think? Sounds, that sounds good no matter what. That's what I'm saying. Try that? No. You would, you wouldn't even know the difference. And I'm not even a vegan. I'm not even one of those people that are like, you got to try it. You wouldn't know the difference. I give it to my Italian family to try to make them happy. And I don't even tell them it's plant-based. I don't even do it. And then the kids eat it. So how about that? Now I like to try weird stuff. So she'll never try that. She's very like, if it's not plain and normal, I don't want to try it. All right. Well, when your next order of death comes lifting merch, expect maybe a frozen piece of lasagna coming in. <laughs> I, I, wow. I love lasagna, so I'm down. Sweet. As long as it doesn't have mushrooms in it, so I can't yeah. do mushrooms. No, we don't do mushrooms. We don't do well. We we do mushrooms, just not those kind of mushrooms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand how people eat mushrooms. Because uh, they're delicious. It's fungus, man. I don't eat fungus. <laughs> mushrooms. Are, I, I'm with Joe on this one. Mushrooms are good. No matter what kind, recreational or not, they're good. <laughs> For sure. So, Mikey, uh, I, I'm glad you could join us today, bro. Yeah. It's been a while. Finally off of work. Yeah. So, what, what are you guys doing for Easter, Sabbath, Sunday, besides hanging out with me? After this, we're probably going to go grocery shopping, and I'm going to meal prep. For both of us. For both of us. And then. Nice, man. And then just hang out, cause I got my uh, my second shot on Friday. Nice. I took the weekend off, but yesterday I was feeling rough. Really? I heard sometimes yeah. it beat you down. I'm not, I yeah. didn't get one, but the first the first shot I just had a sore arm, but yesterday I just felt run down. But then we, I took uh, like a what two hour nap. Mm-hmm. I felt better. Well, dude. I got to tell you what we got you here, man. I'm so proud of you, dude, for the progress you've been making. Dude, you look so good just from whatever 
pictures I've seen of you on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, man, you look like, you don't even look like yourself from, from when we first started together and yeah. that, in a good way, dude. And I'm, uh, I'm honored to be of a little bit of service to you, man. You're, you're a solid inspiration for all of us here. And we just wanted to, wanted to call that Easter vibe in, channel that positive <laughs> energy for you, man. So thank you for all you do. Thank you. What is, what is your, what is your weight now? Not that like numbers matter, but just so we, just so I remember how much weight you actually lost since we started working together. Uh, I was 248.2 or yeah, or 0.4 the other day. I've been weighed since, yeah, I haven't weighed since uh, Friday. Friday, so. We'll get, we're going to go with that. Well, yeah. dude, enjoy yourself today. If you're going to eat, eat all your, eat all the steak you want, it's going to be all right, man. Cut to that the last two days. <laughs> good, good. Well, we're proud of you. You crush it, Mikey the Warlord. Everyone listening, check them out. And Joe Smith, we haven't talked much this week. How's your training going? How's everything with you, man? Good, man. Uh, I've been really trying to focus on becoming that efficient machine that I've been always talking about being and been working on my nose breathing and I've been running a lot slower. Yeah, man. That's weird, isn't it? It's so weird. Like, I'm used to running, you know, when I go out, an easy run for me is, you know, I it was like a nine minute mile. That's an easy run. But like right now it's like a 12 minute mile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's really weird to slow yourself down and try to pace yourself and breathe through your nose. It's the hardest thing to do sometimes. Yeah, but it's super important. It feels great. Uh yesterday I only went out for like two miles, but um in that like 20 minutes, I kind of felt like I could just run forever. I don't know. It was super bizarre. Uh, normally don't feel that good when I run and I attribute it entirely to the way I'm taking in oxygen now, which is crazy. Sorry, nitrous oxide, because when you're breathing in through your nose, you're actually creating more nitrous oxide and then it turns into oxygen in your lungs. I don't know. There's a lot of science behind it, but there is. I'm learning. <laughs> I, I've read deep into it. I'm, that's why I, um, I read this book. What the fuck is it called? I think it's just called Breathe or Breathe Through Your Nose. Or it's like something really simple. I'll send you the, the link after this. But uh, I read that and that's what inspired me to do the whole like mental combat breathing thing because I'm like more people need to know about this because it's like it's a game changer really just to sit and breathe through your nose and anything you do just to try to breathe through your nose is, is huge. Yeah, yeah, I've recently been um, working out with a mouthpiece that makes you like breathe through your nose. Yeah, it's sick, man. Yeah. That's cool. I got. I was talking to Joe about it. The airwave. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Do you uh, yeah. like? Are you lifting? You're lifting with it and doing doing yeah. with it too. Yeah. Nice, man. How are you feeling? It's been helping me out. I don't know. I feel like I don't feel as sore afterwards. Yeah, because you're getting that nutrient-rich oxygen in yeah. your blood, bro. It's a game changer. More people need to know about breathing through your nose. So thank you, yeah. everybody. For for sure. yeah, if I forget my little bit, if I'm working out in the garage and I forget the airwave deal that I've got, um, you just put a mouthful of water and just train with a mouthful of water. <laughs> That's true. That's like an ancient, uh, well, I wasn't there, but from what I've read, it's an ancient Shaolin monk method. Like they put a, uh, you know, just a gulp of water in their mouth and make them like run around for miles or like carry shit upstairs or like, you know, how they have them like balancing buckets of water and everything. And if they, uh, <laughs> They uh, dropped it from their mouth. If they spilled it out, they'd have to do it again. And that's how they got trained to breathe. Yeah. So let's try that next week. We'll, we'll report <laughs> back, see how it goes. 
yeah for sure it's amazing the difference that it makes on what you know you're saying with with recovery like you just end up feeling a lot better your muscles aren't as sore uh i don't know it's it's wild how breathing through your nose can just like change it because apparently we're just breathing wrong (laughs) (laughs) doing some life-changing shit on this podcast like breathing through your nose and almost as important as that is black sabbath's 1983 record born again that i couldn't have even planned this if if i i I didn't even could never even think about having born again come up on easter sunday so it was just meant to be it was just fate from when we started this it's perfect um adam gorak is in the waiting room that's what i'm talking about as soon as i say born again homeboy from australia from the future comes in and I, I won't dare start talking about porn again unless he's in. Did you happen to listen to it, either one of you? I did, yeah. Did you? I it this morning. Oh, man, I'm interested. All right, let me babble about it, then we'll get into it. Because I was I, I was listening to, I listened to it twice this morning as I was preparing my vegan lasagna, and I was thinking what? about you. I was like, I wonder if Joe hates this or not. <laughs> oh, well, just imagine you and I were listening to the same song at the same time. It's definitely, it definitely happened. It definitely happened. But my biggest takeaway from listening to it, I was kind of digging through the Wikipedia article about the album because, you know, kind of get a little bit more background and everything. But my biggest takeaway is that, uh, oh no, is that the the band was almost led by Michael Bolton. Like, (laughs) that would have been, in in a weird alternate universe, Michael Bolton was the lead vocalist for Black Sabbath. And I want that to happen now. I I have the whole we we have we're gonna get into the whole history of Born Again. So you wait. Hold on. Where's where's Adam G? He's coming in finally from Australia. What up, bro? Can you hear us? What's up, dude? My man, as soon as we started, as soon as I got into Born Again, as soon as I said it, your name appeared. Now I, I wouldn't dare start before we got you in here, bro. So it's it's okay that you're late. We're not gonna we're not gonna kick you out of church today. You're, you're no, right. normally you come on at eleven thirty, but it's ten forty one here. So did I mess up the time? Are we or did did you mess up the time, or did Australia mess with our our whole thing again? Um, I don't know because our daylight savings ends midnight tonight. We're gonna blame it on you. If that's okay. Yeah, just play it on Australians, man. And I know it's it's Easter for us, so what we're celebrating with Black Sabbath. But you already yeah. had Easter, so how's the future? Do we have flying cars yet? How, how- <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Oh. It's still Sunday here now, dude. It's only ten. It's only quarter to eleven here, so that's all good. Well, do you celebrate Easter? I know you're. I know you're a satanic guitar player, so I don't know if you celebrate. <laughs> but yeah, um, we do. Yeah. yeah. How was your Easter? Pretty chill. Just been training a lot, dude. Comp's Hell. coming up in two weeks. Hell yeah! We're we're monitoring your progress, bro. I'm I'm right there with you, man. Keep sending the updates. I'm gonna post. Yeah, them. man. Two weeks out. So I'm looking forward to it. Like a true lifting dead warrior, you're just training on Easter, man. You're raising the dead as Jesus rose from the dead, and we love that about <laughs> Yeah. But while we are here, and I'm, I'm glad you came in at the right time, bro. And as I was saying, I couldn't have even – because we, we're going in order. So from our first week of when we started this, starting with the first record, 
right now on Easter Sunday fell on born again, which is the resurrection. So this, it was written in stone in blood that we do it this week. And I couldn't have even planned that if I tried. So thanks for, for being here. Have you heard born again, Adam Gorak? Um, maybe like one track. The Doof Warrior. All right. Well, after this podcast, it's your Easter homework. You can wait till tomorrow. You can get some sleep first, but you have to listen to Born Again, then we have to talk about it. Because I am very we'll interested do. from the guitar player's point of view, how, how you think it is. Because I think it fucking rocks. Straight up. I'm going to say that right now. I didn't think it rocked when I first heard it. Probably because I was I don't think I was ready for it, you know. We're going through this Sabbath history. As you know, I'm an Aussie guy, th- that era. So, like, getting to, like, Dio and stuff and all that, that's, like, pushing it for me. And I, I came around and I-, I grew to love the Dio stuff. But then you hear this and then the stuff that comes after it, like, the first time around or two, I was really not feeling it. But the more that I got into Sabbath and the backstories behind all these records, and this one has a phenomenal backstory tour story we're gonna get into it because it's super entertaining and the more i listen to it and the more i appreciate the production on it and everything it's a really strange heavy unique record for black sabbath and i've really grown to really like it over the years and um i don't know if it's technically good like for like if i'm a music critic if i'm like one of those if i'm writing for pitchfork or whatever i don't know the the review i'd give it technically if it's like actually good I think it's fucking good. So Born Again has Ian Gillen from Deep Purple fronting the band. Ronnie James Dio's out for a brief period of time. He'll be back later. We'll talk about that later. Do for you. So it, you'll, it's going to be okay. But for now, we got Ian Gillen in the band. And I don't know where you guys stand on Deep Purple. I, I like Deep Purple. I'm not, I don't love Deep Purple or anything like that. I appreciate Deep Purple. It's all good. So his voice, pretty cool. Not, it's not Dio, it's not Ozzy, but for what they do here, it's pretty cool. And I guess I should have started by saying that this record, this band wasn't supposed to be Black Sabbath, which listening to it with that mindset makes more sense. Kind of makes the record sound a lot better. Just, it just makes more sense. They were introduced to each other, Tony Iommi and Ian Gillen. They were talking about getting together to do some project, like a super group, you know how bands do it, right? And uh, so they met, and from, according to Tony Iommi from his, from his biography, they met at a pub for lunch and they ended up drinking so much that they closed the place down. So they stayed at the pub for like 12 hours till 2 a.m. or whatever. Uh, and then they woke up Tony Iommi woke up to a call from his manager saying, uh, what about what's going on with this new band that you got going on? And he's all drunk, like, what? I don't, I don't have a new band. It's Black Sabbath. He goes, oh, well, I guess Ian's the singer for Black Sabbath now. So they did that. Their management wouldn't let them, for some reason, like be called something else. They thought it was like bad marketing. They didn't want to take the, the Black Sabbath name away. So this record became a Black a Black Sabbath record and it was supposed to be whatever they wanted to name their project, Ian Gillen. So Tony Iommi said, fuck it, since it's Black Sabbath, we're gonna try to get Bill Ward back and Geezer back on bass. Geezer agreed, Bill Ward was living 
soberly at the time. He cleaned himself up, which is why Tony Iommi wanted him back. And his performance on this record is fucking awesome. It's super heavy. He's clean. It's focused. And it's a really cool Bill Ward sound, especially for me, because I'm a huge Bill Ward fan. Um, the original band, obviously, I'm a huge fan. But hearing Bill Ward and Geezer on this together really rocks. And we'll get into that later. So they record at Richard Branson's Manor, which is like this ridiculous villa, it, like crazy money, luxurious, I guess the management paid for it and all, all that shit. Um, and the recording process of this was just full of, I guess they were just playing pranks on each other and getting fucked up, minus Bill Ward, because Bill Ward was staying sober the whole time, apparently, which I'm proud of him for doing that. So Ian Gillen, being the diva singer that he is, he had like his whole, he, he brought like a tense, like one of those like gazebo style, like tents that like people get married in that you like, you can put like a, a bed in a kitchen and make it, make it like a thing. He had that like separately away from everyone. So like it's, it was like better for his voice or whatever. And Tony Iommi lined it with like pyrotechnic bombs or whatever and uh, blew it up one night. And that was next to Richard Branson's like pond that he had like a bunch of uh, like award-winning fish, like carps or whatever that like rich people do or whatever. And it killed all of his fish and everyone was pissed about that. They all got new cars for promo for this. And they were all drinking at the pub down the street one night. Ian Gillen comes home, decides to take Bill Ward's car out for a spin along a racetrack because this manor had a racetrack in a pool and the racetrack was around the pool and he crashed the car by himself, Bill Ward's car on the racetrack, flipped it over, got out. And as he got out, it caught on fire. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah. And that's what the opening song trashed is about. Um, very specifically about that. There is almost no creativity in those lyrics that is word <laughs> for word. What happened is like I was drinking a fucking shit ton of tequila and I crashed that car and I was burning and I was turning and I was drunk and then we went back and I drank more tequila. That's what that song's about. And he did a great job capturing that vibe. And I'm glad he survived. It was one of those rock and roll guardian angels that got him out. Bill Ward comes back. He's pissed off. The, I guess he, they wait till the next morning. because they're And uh, he's like, wow, my car is uh, flipped over and on fire. And uh, fuck you, Ian Gillen. I'm going to get you back because this place also had a lake that Ian Gillen had his boat there docked. And uh, Bill Ward, like, took a chisel or some shit and, like, put holes in his boat and sunk his boat <laughs> as revenge for this. And uh, Ian Gillen was all freaked out. He said he thought someone stole his boat. They like called the cops. He was, they were looking for it forever. And then they found that it was just at the bottom of the lake. And I don't think Bill Ward ever fessed up that it was him, but it, it, I think it was probably assumed that it was, that it was him. So there was a lot of, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes here. Uh, that, that they sounded like they were just, I mean, this is 1983 at this point. So they're not like 17 year old kids doing this. Like these were like grown men, like just fucking with each other and partying and having fun that really went into this record and it has a really unique kind of crazy vibe because there was just all this craziness happening, which is, is pretty cool. Um, the song Disturbing the Priest, which is the third track after Stonehenge, the second track, 
Stonehenge is an instrumental little weird darkness bit that uh, I, I'm a sucker for. I love Sabbath for doing that. They, they stick to those weird instrumentals in their, in their records all the time. And Stonehenge is really cool. Disturbing the Priest is really heavy and chaotic and fucked up. And Ian Gillen does this like, <laughs> like evil little grim laugh and shit. It's really sweet, really weird. Disturbing the Priest came from there was a priest that lived not too far away from them. And uh, he was getting pissed off with all the noise and the explosions and, um, you know, everything going on. So he like signed, he started a petition to try to get Black Sabbath kicked out of this manor. So they took it very seriously and wrote Disturbing the Priest about that. And uh, they won that, that whole thing. Just, just the, um, all that aside, all, all the, the stories, the craziness, I think um, the management came to check on them because they heard like, some shit was going on and they set pyro bombs up for them when they arrived to and fucked them up. So I don't know what they were on, but they were just like on another level. And Tony, I know me was ready to like kick ass. Aside from all of that, the recording process, the actual musicianship was very experimental and it was nothing like according to Tony that they've done before. They just jammed in a different way. Bill Ward was experimenting with like, making sounds on actual anvils because they had a actual anvils for some reason, because I guess they had access to literally everything during the recording of this. And they'd like be holding this anvil, Bill Ward would hit it and they'd try to submerge it into water to get like a weird descending sound effect on it. Now, of course, you could do that on the computer in, in like two seconds, but they were just trying all sorts of weird shit. And I think if you go back and listen to it with that shit in mind, you'll hear all that. And uh, hopefully appreciate it, appreciate it more. From there, the tour for this album. So once it's all done, they, um, they, they mix it themselves. Tony Iommi produced it. They did the, they did the whole thing themselves. It's a, and it feels like it too. It's a very like raw sounding record. He claims that, um, that the uh, production got fucked up somewhere in the process because they weren't happy with how the final sound came out. I think it sounds pretty cool, but I understand his position. It probably sounded better to them when they were recording it, but whatever, it came out and then they were forced to tour, tour on it. Bill Ward had unfortunately relapsed as, as he would. Sorry, Bill Ward, respect. But the, so they replaced him with another drummer. His name was Bev Bevan from Electric Light Orchestra, which I suppose he was pretty sick. So they toured with them. And the tour was very Spinal Tap. Tour, the tour stories are great. They ordered actual props from Stonehenge, obviously because of the, the song Stonehenge and the whole vibe they were going for. They wanted their stage to look like Stonehenge. And I, the people they ordered it from like took them like very seriously and they gave them like the exact dimensions of like the real Stonehenge. So it was like these like 14 foot stone columns or whatever that couldn't fit into like any theater. So like only the biggest theaters they use this for. And he, Tony was saying it's like ridiculous, like just lugging all this around. They had like an extra truck just for like Stonehenge for their tour and everything, which is Hilarious, and I wish I was there. I, I wish we could. I wish we could see Ian Gillen sing for Black Sabbath in a life-size Stonehenge stage setup. Diva Ian also presented his fair share of problems on this tour, 
because he wanted bongos because he deep purple was very uh you know progressive and weird and he would wear like flowery shirts and play bongos and be like hey i'm deep purple and sabbath was like no nah, man we're like the devil so like we can't have bongos and you can't wear flower shirts you have to wear leather and stuff so that was all happening they were clashing over that and i think that um you know they met in the middle somewhere but it was it was a weird vibe and they were playing smoke on the water just for just for ian gillen because he didn't feel like comfortable just singing sabbath songs so like that's a little weird and uh i think they got kind of panned by the critics for their live shows for that too uh according to tony iomi on the tour ian was always causing problems and they got into this big fight at this fancy nightclub in spain or it was like a country club not a nightclub like it was like a nice place they got invited to for dinner and you know they all got hammered and ian was uh like lighting matches and like spitting uh, alcohol into him to like try to set things on fire and they got into this huge fight with like the staff so it was like black sabbath or two security guards like the kitchen staff, which in Spain were probably a bunch of bad motherfuckers with like nunchucks and knives and stuff. And um, they ended up getting arrested, kicked out of their hotel that was ran by the mafia. So they had like mafia people after them. They had to hire these crazy German security guards to like guard them for the rest of their time in, in Spain. So that's all like, and like I'm saying, these, these are like grown men at this point. It's not like it's like their second tour and they're going crazy. So th this was all going on in the background of this. And it just makes it all the more fascinating when they got to America. And this is definitely my favorite part of this. This is, this is why I've, I've spent so much time talking to you about the tour and the history behind born again, um, their management, they got to America. They hired a midget, a midget to, for their live shows to look like, what is on the cover of born again if you don't know what's on the cover of born again i suggest you look it up everybody listening it is a red demon baby with green eyes yellow fangs and yellow fingernails claws so they hire this midget who was a, in quotes as iomi says one of the bear guys from the star wars movies so he was a hollywood professional actor one of the bear guys, a.k.a. the Ewoks or whatever, in the uh, Star Wars movies, that would he would literally just, like, run around on stage and, like, act like a demon and, like, try. They had him on ropes that would ascend from the rafters and, like, he'd run across Stonehenge and, like, be like a demon. You can never do this now, I don't think, by the way, without, <laughs> without being ridiculed. Uh, but no, they, there was no shame. They hired a midget, put him in this rubber suit or painted him red and like made him look like a demon. And, uh, apparently the crew and was so shitty to this poor little dude. Like they would like fuck with him all the time. And according to Iomi, they like locked him in a suitcase <laughs> and, uh, they would like fuck with him when he was on stage, like mess with his wires and shit. And uh, he like fell off one time so that they ended it with the midget before they got sued or anybody got hurt. But I always thought that was a funny story. And uh, you'll appreciate this, Adam. The um, Iomi claims that Ozzy also had a midget on tour with him at that time. And they called the midget Ronnie because of Dia, because of their, their hatred for Dia. So 
That's all. That's that's a little uh, Black Sabbath backstory history that fuels this crazy record. And if you listen to this record, it is crazy. Knowing that, I hope that enriches it. Uh, I know Tony Iommi has said that songs like Zero the Hero and Hotline, there he had those riffs floating around since the Heaven and Hell era. So there were old songs that were brought in. And a lot of people, I, know, I don't know if you guys ever listened to our Lifts and Riffs podcast, uh, where we talk to just like death metal musicians and any, any musicians from the underground bands we like. And uh, we always ask them, what's your favorite Black Sabbath record? You'd be surprised how many people say Born Again, like way more than you would think. And they always say it's because it's heavy and weird. And uh, it, it really is. And even Chris Barnes from Cannibal Corpse, this is the first singer of Cannibal Corpse, claims this to be their heaviest record. And it's his, it's his favorite Sabbath record. So if it's good enough for the singer of Cannibal Corpse, it's good enough for me. And I just love the mystique behind it. And I love the stories. And I love that it's born again. And it's on Easter. And this is what we're doing because we are adults that do this stuff right now. And you guys are wasting your Easter morning listening to me talk about it. And I fucking love you for it. And I'm going to shut up. Everybody, chime in, Joe. What you think of the record? Knowing that now, do you like it more? I do. It actually, like, hearing all of those stories uh, made it even better. I liked it, though, going into it. So nice. Um, nice. I did Good. find it incredibly heavy and weird. And that's, I think, what uh, what I did enjoy about it. I really wanted more of those like interstitial, just audio, like just music tracks. Right. I love that about that. I, they were, I for some reason, the other ones that have been on Black Sabbath albums, they've all fit their their specific album. But this one, they seem so different from the rest of the album that yeah. like I just wanted, I wanted more of that. And uh, it sucks that those are only like a minute and a half long, maybe two minutes. But, um, you know, going into that, it really put down a rabbit hole looking up because it sounded like if this, if there was a Black Sabbath album that there would have been hidden messages on, this would have been the album. Like you play this Black Sabbath album backwards and you'll hear some shit about the devil, uh, you know. Sure. But, um, but yeah, and it, I don't know. It was great. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm really surprised that you liked it so much, really. But yeah. maybe that's because you didn't like, you hated the mob rules so much that this was like a refreshing, a refreshing next step. And uh, I, I agree. I, I am obsessed with the instrumental tracks on this. And I love all the instrumental tracks about Sabbath. It'd be cool to do like a compilation of like all Sabbath instrumental tracks and see where that leads you. But uh, yeah, this one is, uh, they were just in a weird headspace, like a weird, insane headspace. And I think that that shows. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you like it. So Doof Warrior, you got some homework to do, bro. Uh, yeah. You got to give us a riff from Born Again next week. Yeah, I, um, I was learning trash, like the riff. Yeah. That. So yeah. I need to relearn it's it's probably not that hard. I, I I feel like you could do it based on based on the, the it is a pretty simple you know the riffs are Black Sabbath. It's Tony Iommi. They keep he keeps them pretty simple. It's fast though, and uh, the lyrics are so different because they always let the singer write the lyrics. And Ian wrote the lyrics, and it was it's nothing like Ronnie James Dio. It's nothing like 
there's no realms and dragons and sorcerers and it's not self-loathing weird stuff or witchcraft like ozzy it's just like he wrote about what was going on so he was drinking tequila and crashing cars they were disturbing priests they were missing their girlfriends you know that's what he wrote about so it's not really it's not really a black sabbath theme but uh the riffs are great and the riffs are super heavy and i, I really think i really think you'll dig it and uh mikey i know you're not the biggest sabbath fan you're probably not the biggest fan of this record but the heaviness would help for some deadlifts if you ever need, it, you need to throw that stories made me interested to check it out just to hear good yeah good that sounded awesome i, I love hearing just wacky behind the scenes stuff me too man and yeah. uh this this record is one of the best in terms of sabbath history for the for that behind the scenes stuff and just even how it was conceived, like it wasn't even supposed to be a Black Sabbath project and they just got drunk together and we're like, okay, sweet, this is, this is happening. We're, we're adults, we can do this. Uh, it's pretty uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty rock and roll. And it's it's a perfect record to listen to on uh, right before Easter dinner, right before all your family comes over, while your family's over, just playing Born Again. And I, I think it will go well. And that was the only album he'd done too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was the only one. Uh, next in, my, in the lineup is, uh, is Ray Gillian, which is, that, that's so confusing that, the, the, you know, even me, I, I get it mixed up, Ian Gillian and Ray Gillian, um, for Forbidden, which is, it, it's, it's the start of a weird path for Sabbath with singers. They have Ray and then they have a Tony Martin era for a while that's lost that I love, but we're going to get into all that. I can't wait. And then Dio comes back, and it's it's a strange it's a strange thing. But yeah, this is a one off thing with um, with Ian. So definitely check it out, dude. I actually I really want I really would love to to hear what you think going in with like this mindset now. This all yeah. this rich information that you can't get anywhere else that people pay lots of money for to hear this stuff. It's like a college course on Sabbath. Hey, that's a good idea. We should teach them. And also imagine, also imagine that the lead singer is Michael Bolton. I can't get over that. <laughs> we could just go with that. We could just go with that. You know, um, I, I, I like my, I might like Michael Bolton more than I like Deep Purple, to be honest. Who knows? Yeah, you can't go wrong with Michael Bolton, dude. I didn't realize that. And I, I mean, when I found that out, that he at one point in time might have been the lead singer of Black Sabbath, I kind of went through and was like, all that shit that my mom used to listen to. Like, there's no way, but I, I forget the name of the album that, or the band that he was with, where it's some heavy shit. Like, it, it was kind of crazy. He's got the pipes for it, so. R respect to Michael Bolton, for sure, on, on, on this podcast. We, we're definitely going to have to take a deep dive into Bolton. Yeah, I, I will make that it's some free time this week. I will I will come back next week with a, a little bit of Michael Bolton's history and uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll all praise Michael Bolton and all of his goodness. Yeah. And uh, prayers, prayers to DMX before we go out to I don't know if you guys heard, but he he overdosed yeah. in critical condition. So we're, we're going to give a Sabbath Sunday Easter Easter blessing. To, to our Lord and Savior, DMX. I hope he pulls through. I, I have a soft spot in my heart for DMX. You know, I, I always, his music's fun. He's funny. I, I, grew, I grew up listening to him a little bit. It's funny to work out to. And I, like his energy. I, I always wanted him to pull through and like, you know, clean himself up. But uh, 
maybe maybe this will do it and i hope he doesn't die so thanks for thanks for listening everybody you guys are great i'm gonna let you go and enjoy your easter sundays slash your sleep adam thank you all good man all good Uh, it's only 11 p.m here man well then you have time to listen to born again and then let, let me know what you think yeah, probably after I've finished watching Die Hard 2. <laughs> this is oh, why we need you. This that that statement right there is just that, that I'm I'm gonna shut up. We're gonna end it here. Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> I love you. Thanks for wasting your Easter morning with me and showing up. Fist bump. Die Hard 2. Sorry, I was oh, late. Rocks. <laughs> Before again, rocks. Listen to it, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>